Good morning, Mishpocha. That's what we say in Jerusalem. That means good morning, family. Thank you for having me today. It's a pleasure to worship with you. Um, and I see a lot of, I've met a lot of really wonderful people today. And uh, I just, uh, I come today with an assignment from the Lord. So I'm just going to tell you in advance. Uh, the name of the sermon is from the gospel. It's taken from the gospel. How do you read it? And my task and my assignment today is to repent and to bless. But I'm going to start out with the Gospel of Luke, chapter 10, 25. If you want to follow along, I'm reading from e the ESV version. And I'm going to focus. When I was, when I was uh, preparing for the sermon, the Lord really highlighted the first three verses uh, of this chapter, of, of this uh, passage and this parable. Um, and I'm guessing that you guys are, I have a very short time, so I'm guessing that you guys are biblically illiterate. So I'm going to, that's true, right? <laughs> All Anglicans are biblically illiterate. Come on, you guys. Actually, literate. Let me say that, <laughs> Let me say that again. All Anglicans are biblically literate. So anyway, I'm just going to start by reading uh, verses 25 to 29, if you want to open your Bibles. Uh, and I just want to say that this is a very well-known passage of Scripture, and many of you, I'm sure, are very familiar with it. Um, there has been many, lots of ink spilled over the centuries concerning this passage. But today, I just want to focus on the priest. Um, and it's focused on the priest, but I want to look at Jesus's engagement with the priest and how Jesus, the encounter that Jesus had with this priest, because I think it's very relevant for where we are as a church and as a culture um, and what God's doing in this time and season. So if you bear with me, let's start in verse 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul and with all of your strength and with all of your mind and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, Jesus said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But desiring to justify himself, notice his reaction to, you, to Jesus. Yeshua Jesus. I'm sorry, I'm used to doing messianic stuff. Uh, Yeshua Jesus. Notice that he justified himself and said to Jesus, who's my neighbor? So while I was reading this parable, three things struck me about Jesus' encounter with this lawyer priest. First and foremost, if I think you would agree with me that he's a lot like us. So the lawyer stood up to do what? First of all, to put Jesus to the test. What does it mean to put Jesus to the test or God to the test? Ultimately, here we have this lawyer. He was an interpreter of the law, but he was an expert in the law. The word is nomikos, properly meaning he was a Jewish attorney specializing in interpreting the Old Testament and applying the words uh, teachings of established rabbis. If you fast forward that to the Anglican church today, that would be a priest, that would be a canon lawyer, that would be a bishop, and perhaps um, that would be applying and interpreting the scripture for the church so that we know where to go 
and what the Spirit is saying and how to live, move, and being before our God, be before our God. So that was his job. But he puts Jesus to the test. So what does it mean to put God and Jesus to the test? The word in Greek is really, really strong. It's ek parazo. And what it means, it means to test out, but not just to test and like, hey, you know, I'm just testing you because, you know, I have an opinion about the scripture that's different than yours. What it means is it's an extreme testing to an, an unwarranted degree, a degree. It's like a hyper test going to improper measures with ex, uh, which exceed appropriate boundaries and pushing the one tested beyond reasonable proper limits. So how many of you guys know just like this priest, because I'm talking to a priesthood of believers. How do, how, how do you, how many of you know it is unwise to tempt the Lord your God? Do you have a show of hands over here? The, te the testimony of scripture is replete with accounts of how God's people, and especially leaders, because Jesus had controversy over and over again, especially with the leaders in the gospel, the leaders of his generation, contention after contention with these leaders concerning the word of God and who he was. He had a real battle on his hands concerning the leaders of the Jewish people and the Israelites at that time. So the testimony of scripture is replete with accounts of how we God's people and especially leaders in the gospel, priests, bishops, deacons in any denomination, uh, and leaders, um, how, how we can offend God. And I know that's really difficult for us to understand, but if you look in the Old Testament, it's just over and over again, you see Abba's heart. You see God's heart. He has a beautiful heart. And his intentions for us are to love and to, he wants to give us a blessing. He wants, he wants us to be in relationship with him. And over and over again, the leaders in the people in the Old Testament, in the prophets, and even in the New Testament, I would say even to this day, resist the Lord our God. I'm just going to say this. Are you, aren't you glad you live under the New Covenant and not the Old? <laughs> because the sons of Korah had a, have a really difficult time and, uh, uh, and, and their offense toward God and toward Moses' leadership. So here are just two examples. I don't have a lot of time to build on this, so um, I'm just going to give you two scriptures. The first one that came to mind is Psalm 41 and 42, how often it says they rebelled against him, the Israelites, in the wilderness and grieved him in the desert, and they tested God again and again and provoked the Holy One of Israel. And then again in Exodus 17, 2 and 7, they quarreled with Moses in the desert because they didn't have any water to drink. Quarreling is not a good thing. Complaining, not good. <laughs> it's good to be honest with God, but there's a... But at some point, we've got to step into the knowledge of God and believe and receive his promises toward us because he's trying to give you something, beloved. He's trying to give you himself, and we often resist. So they quarreled in the Old Testament, and I mean, in uh, Exodus 17, 2 and 7. Um, and the reason is given in verse 7. It says, because they tested the Lord. This is how they tested the Lord by saying, the Lord is among us. Uh, the Lord, is the Lord among us or not? They did not trust that he would provide for them. 
So uh, unbelief and, un and not trusting God's provision is, is a huge offense to the promises of God and who he is and how he sees you and delights in you um, and wants to care for you. So I implore you, beloved, do not, do not, do not, ek parazo, temper your God. Let the Holy Spirit search your heart because, as we know from Jeremiah 7, uh, 17, 9, and 10, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? The Lord our God can understand it. And he's the only one that knows the depth of your heart and can speak to your heart, just like he was speaking to this lawyer and know you. He's the only one that truly knows you. I'm going to suggest that I don't even know myself sometimes. I can be deceived by my own spirit and not walking with the Lord and letting he walk in his ways and convict me and let him teach me his ways and have a heart that's open to him. So the, Lord, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick, and our God fixed that by the blood of the cross. Who can understand it? I, the Lord, search the heart, and I test the mind. I test the mind to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his deeds. Moving on, Jesus responds saying, how do you see it? He asks him. I love the way Jesus ministers to people. He just throws the responsibility right back at you. He's like, he's like, how do you see it, lawyer, interpreter of the law? You who know the scripture so well, how do you see it? And the lawyer answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength, and with all of your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. Note to self, this lawyer priest already knew the answer. And how do we know that? Because in verse 28 it says, Jesus says, you answered correctly. Now do this and you will live. So how often do we approach God? Are there times when we approach God? How often we approach God with the answer, looking for the answer when we already have the answer? He just says, do this and you will live. So we know that this priest knew the scripture. So he was interpreting God, God's word correctly, but Jesus always gets to the heart. Have you noticed that? He, is, he loves us too much to let us walk in unbelief, in uh, deception, and he's constantly growing us in the wisdom and knowledge of God. And it's an amazing walk with him. So he doesn't let it go. And if you walk with the Holy Spirit, boy, is he gentle and kind. But at some point, he loves you too much, beloved, to let you go on and on. So he will stop you. He will make you. He will confront you if you are his at some point. And you will have to reckon with him. And he is a wall that you cannot get past. If you're facing a wall right now, could be you need to ask the Holy Spirit what's going on. And it could be the Lord has spoken something to you that you have not done. And he will not let you pass that point until you're obedient and in your growth with him because he that obedient that growth and that process of walking with him and growing in the spirit and walking with the father it's so important it's the process more than anything that's important in our walk with the lord and so often um, as i've grown in the lord 37 years i'm in the lord now 
Um, it's become the my relationship and my understanding of the gospel has not. It's not more complicated. It's more simplistic. So, so anyway, he's facing you. He's face to face. We call that panim el panim, the Lord our God. He's in your face. He was in this, this priest's face. And that priest had no idea that he was talking to the son of God, much less God. The word of God itself. He was panim, face to face, right there. And he missed it. So what about us? So the priest knew the scripture, and he, Jesus gets to the heart of the matter, and he said, do this and you will live. And here is my response. I was like, hmm. Sounds like Jesus is re reminding this lawyer from the passage um, in Deuteronomy 30 um, that, that we read earlier in the Old Testament, 10, 10, 11, and 14, that he should have known. But he's just reminding him that the Lord was to obey the voice of the Lord to keep your commandments and his statutes in the, in the, that are written in the book of the law, that you turn to the Lord your God with all your heart and all, with all your soul. And again, but the word is very near you. It is in your heart. And it, uh, why? So that you can do it. So it's always been that Lord has always given us the ears to hear his voice, the eyes to see what he is doing, and the power to walk the way that he's asked us to walk. And so Jesus is confronting this man and saying, you know what, beloved, I am trying to give you something. If you obey my commandments, um, well, let me start back on verse 15. See, I've set before you today. I've set it before you. It's right here before us today. You and I, the choice between life and death and good and evil. If you obey the commandments of the Lord, according to Deuteronomy 16, that, that God has commanded us today by loving the Lord your God and growing in your relationship to him and by walking in his ways and keeping his commandments and statutes, then you shall live and multiply. And the Lord your God will bless you in the land that you are entering to take possession of. So I just want to come back to the Lord your God will bless you in the land that he wants you to take possession of. The Lord your God is trying to bless you, beloved. His commandments are not hard, and you can do them. And when you do them, life comes. And let me tell you something. It is the, I can, this is my testimony. It is the most abundant, beautiful, glorious life that you could ever imagine. And every year that I get older, I'm not going this way, I'm going that way. Every year that I get older and I walk with the Lord and I taste and see and I learn to walk with him, I learn to rest in him, I learn to have joy in him, I learn to be righteous, and I don't have to think about it. I want to. Why? Because I love him. Love keeps me right at the center of that relationship and moving toward him and growing in trust to honor him. And so during those years, I've just learned to give honor where honor is due to the Lord our God. And when you give that honor, I tell you what, it comes right back to you. I mean, pressed down, shaken. I mean, it is glorious. And let me tell you something. It's not that it's easy because you have to seek the Lord's wisdom. But I'm, I, I'm just imploring you today, keep going. Keep going and ask the Lord your God. Ask him what he's doing in your life because he wants to bless you and he wants you to enter into something right now. 
And I just want to suggest that Jesus' controversy with the priests and the leaders of his generation was simply this. He wanted to bless the priest. He wanted to bless the Israelites day in, day out, forever and for eternity. He wanted to bless them and the people um, that he was leading to give them an inheritance. And in this case, taking possession of the land the Lord had promised their fathers. And that's still true to this very day, and that's true for you. How do I know? And I can't go into it. Ephesians 1.3, Lord, the God of our fathers has blessed you in the Lord Jesus Christ with some spiritual blessing, the little bit spiritual blessing, with, a with no spiritual blessing, with if you strive for it, maybe he'll give you a spiritual blessing. No, with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, your Lord, right now, right here, right now, he wants to bless you. One more thought, and then I'm going to move on to repentance. You're probably curious to see, see what I'm going to do. Uh, it seems to me that Jesus' response convicted the lawyer and it exposed in his heart a self-righteousness. And it might be something else, too. Probably pride's probably a lot of stuff. And how do we know that? Because he desired to justify himself. The lawyer said to Jesus, who is my neighbor? So what do we do when we resist God? We justify our actions not to move toward him. So just guard your heart, beloved. Um, and just guard your heart that you don't resist the Lord your God, um, but move into him. Don't justify your actions. Don't justify your sin. He's taken care of it. He wants that. He wants you to come to you, and he wants to hand. He wants it. He died so that he can have that. He wants to make an exchange with you. So here's the takeaway. The irony in this passage is the priest had come to test the Lord, but in reality, he was the one being tested. <laughs> he was standing before the very word himself. So don't be deceived when you read the word of life, the scripture. It is testing you. The word is reading your mail. I mean, it's at work everywhere. Have you noticed? The scribe in this encounter is, is the one that is being tested by the Lord, not the other way around. So just remember this wisdom as we leave here today and take it with you from James 1.21. Receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. And here's the, here is the, 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 the one thing that the priest did not do, and I'm going to talk about more in more depth in a minute. Be doers of the word and not hearers only. If you're just a doer of the word, I mean, if you're just hearers of the word and not doers, then you're deceiving yourself. Take the wisdom from James. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks at himself intently at, this, at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks to himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. In essence, this priest forgot who he was. He was an expert in the law. This priest knew the word but was a hearer only and was not practicing what he preached. So on to repentance. You guys ready? I'm going to make this really, really short, and I'm going to put it in modern context. Um, and I'm just going to, I'm going to go over to the woes in Matthew 23. I'm going to go to Matthew 23. You can read it with you. I'm not going to read the whole thing because I don't have time. Um, and I'm pretty sure you're familiar with the seven woes that Jesus had against the Pharisees. And I'm just going to suggest that that's the exact encounter that he was having in Luke chapter 10 with this priest. Over and over and over and over again, they resisted the Lord. But here's Jesus's 
statement and pronouncement concerning those things. Because these, beloved, we priests and bishops and even leaders in homes, I just want to say, that it's vitally important that we understand who we are and how we carry God's heart before one another with you and and to and I had something in my mind it went away bring it back Lord priests are vitally important and as you know we've experienced uh, many things um, concerning priests, but leadership in the household, no, no matter where you are, beloved, you are the priesthood. You have influence someplace in this world, and how you carry the Father's heart matters, whether it's before a congregation, before your brother or sister, before your family, wherever that is, it is important. You carry the fragrance of Christ, beloved, and that is a gift to be able to stand before you, and particularly, I'm going to talk about women priests today. So I just want to share my heart with you. Do you want me to be authentic? Is that okay with you guys? Have I been authentic enough? I have a problem with authenticity. No, but I've learned that because what I've learned being a priest, it's not about me. It's about loving you, that my gift and who I am is for you, and your gift in loving me is for me. And so to bring honor and a culture of honor to you is vitally important in the love of God, and to carry myself as a priest is vitally important in my calling and, and for you and for those around me. Anyway, uh, Matthew 23, you can follow along ESV again. Uh, then Jesus said to the crowds and to his disciples, the scribes and the Pharisees, sat on, on Moses' seat, so do not observe whatever they tell you, but not the works they do. Does that sound familiar from Luke chapter 10? For they preach, but they do not practice. So there it is, right there in your face. They tie up heavy burdens. The law is hard to carry. It can't transform our hearts. It's hard to bear when we get um, legalistic type things um, that we have to carry that are not from the Lord. That we put, we priests, I can put heavy weights and burdens on people that I don't even do myself. And they lay them on people's shoulders, but they themselves are not willing to move them with one finger. They do all their deeds to be seen by others. For they make their phylacteries broad and their fringes long, and they love the place of honor at feasts and the best seats in the synagogues and greetings in the marketplaces and being called rabbi by others. But you are not called rabbi, for you have one teacher and you are all brothers. And call, on no, and call no man your father on earth, for you have one father who is in heaven. Neither be called instructors, for you have one instructor, the Christ. The greatest among you shall be a servant. Whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. But woe to you, Pharisee, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut the door of the kingdom of heaven in people's faces, for you neither enter yourselves nor allow those who would enter to go in. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you travel across sea and land to make a single proselyte, and then he becomes a proselyte. when he becomes a proselyte, you make him twice 
as much a child of hell as you. So this is what I want to do. I just want to put this in context, just so you know this is not the first time the Lord has had me to do this. And I don't know what you guys think or where you're at with where we're at in our culture the last two years, but my opinion and what I'm seeing is a shaking. And it's a global shaking, and things are happening. It's a very uncertain time, beloved. Very uncertain time. So I've seen this. And then as, as I've walked, have you noticed? I know that you've noticed, even globally, it's as if the church and leaders are being sifted. They're being sifted in the Diocese of Pittsburgh. They're being, you know, I mean, I'm not even going to go into any of those controversies. All over the globe, leaders are falling like a house of cards. So this is what I want to suggest to you, that the Lord is preparing something amazing for this time and season. And I'm just going to, I'm going to tell you what the redemption, how I see the redemption in it. In the shaking, God is bringing judgment to his church, he's, and particularly to the leadership, so that we step out, hear the Lord, be built up, and be able to move uh, with God for such a time as this. So in light of that, I can't really go into it. I'm sorry. I apologize for that. You'll have to have me back again. <laughs> Probably five times, maybe ten. But anyway, I'll just leave it at this. So, this, the, so I just sensed when, the, when uh, Father James asked, asked me to preach, the Lord put this passage on my, my heart, and he said, I want you to stand before this beautiful people of mine and to be a priest and repent, but particularly I'm going to repent as a woman priest, and I'm going to stand here, and God told me to give some things to share, and I'm going to stand here as if I'm standing before the Lord of heaven, my God, and I'm going to become vulnerable to you. I'm going to humble myself out of love for the glory of Yeshua and for the unity and the ministry of the Holy Spirit, and I'm eager right now to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace because God is moving his church globally from what I can see into a unity that we haven't anticipated yet. And we all need to be ready. All of us need to be ready, especially leaders are being tested. So I'm just going to stand before for you right now as a woman. Pre Lord, I just stand before you right now. I stand before you, Lord. I know that there's differing opinions. That's okay, Lord. That's okay. It's okay. There is unity in the spirit. Lord, you will get us where we need to go. There's reconciliation in you. There's redemption in you. You want redemption for this church, for this beautiful Anglican communion, Lord, even globally. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would bring it. So I just want to, three things came to mind. So I just want to repent um, for preaching and not practicing. Wherever I have not preached the word, Wherever I've preached the word and not practiced the word, I repent for that. I repent, beloved, for not being a doer of the word, just a hearer of the word. And I just, uh, another thought was the false motives. I just stand before you as a woman, repenting for false motives, such as seeking the place of honor before God. before God and men in an unlawful and ungodly manner, leading to division and strife. I just say right now, Lord, bring reconciliation and healing to that place. Just close that gate. Let us come to you fully, trusting that you're going to do what you can do right now. So I just stand right now. Another point, I'm standing in the gap for women, repenting. 
And most importantly for me, and I've seen this many times because the Lord has led me into this scripture about six months now. I've been in this scripture. For any time that we have shut the kingdom of heaven in people's faces. Any time that I have stood before a congregation, my neighbor, my family, or anything of that nature, or anywhere, I just repent for shutting the kingdom of heaven in people's faces and, re and fortifying myself because I justify myself against God's word. And with my reluctance, I'm becoming a hearer and I'm not actually going into the kingdom. And so what, is that, what, what does that do? It hinders you from coming into the kingdom. If your leaders cannot go in and go out, if we can't do that, men and women, if, then the kingdom of heaven gets shut in people's faces. And it's a serious situation or offense to the Lord. He wants the kingdom of heaven open to us, and he wants us to be able to walk through. And it's a special gift for those who are leading us to realize, test their hearts, and know which way, what the Lord is doing, and to, to open that door and let you come in. So I just repent of that. I'm sorry, beloved. I never want to do that. Can you forgive me for that? What a heinous offense to stand before the Lord one day and have to give an account for my life. And he said, oh, by the way, you were a priest, and you shut the kingdom of heaven. My people couldn't come in because of you. So I just repent of that right now. So I humble myself before you today and repent for every occasion that I've shut the kingdom of God in, in your faces or anybody else's face, both intentionally and unintentionally. And in conclusion, let us pray. So I'm just going to pray for you guys, and I thank you for listening. I just bless you right now. Lord, I ask these, your beloved, may be filled with the knowledge of your will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that they may walk in a manner, my God, worthy of you, Lord, fully pleasing to you and bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with all power according to your glorious might, Lord, for all endurance and patience and joy, giving thanks, Lord, to you to you always father who has qualified us and this beautiful congregation in christ to share in the inheritance of the saints in light and finally may the lord bless you beloved may the lord keep you may his face Continue to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Thank you for letting me worship with you today.